God. Have in my hand. Powerful word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now look at your neighbor and give him another hug and just tell him how much you love him. If you're sitting by yourself, just tell yourself how much you love yourself. That works too. Continuing in, uh, what's going to need to remember verse? Thank you, Jeff, for holding that up there. Uh, Romans 5.10. Let's stand as we read together. For if while. Ready? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Amen. Now you may be seated. I got a little ahead of myself there. Continuing in our series, Masterpiece in Progress. We're in the book of Ephesians. Today we'll be again in Ephesians 2. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 22. So if you have those Bibles you held up a while ago or your electronic device with your Bible on it, if you would go to Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. And hold that for just a few moments. We'll read it together here shortly. There was once a subway car, almost empty, except for a, a Chinese man and a Jewish man who sat in their seats silently holding their newspapers high as they read. And suddenly the Jewish man stood up, rolled up his newspaper, walked over and whacked the Chinese man over the head. Hey, cut that out. What would you do that for, said the Chinese man, putting his arm up to defend himself against any other slap that would come from the Jewish man. And the Jewish man sat down and said, that was for Pearl Harbor. Chinese man said it was the Japanese who bombed Pearl Harbor. I'm Chinese. We didn't have anything to do with it. The Jewish man said, Japanese, Chinese, Vietnamese, it's all the same. They glared at each other for a few moments and then went back to reading their paper and all was quiet. And then suddenly the Chinese man stood up, rolled up his paper, whacked the Jewish man upside the head. And said, that's for the Titanic The Jewish man said, the Titanic? It was an iceberg that sank the Titanic. I didn't have anything to do with that. But the Chinese man said, iceberg, Rosenberg, Goldenberg, they're all the same. There's a very human tendency in every nation, in every age, to lose sight of the individuality of people that are different from us. To take the lazy way and lump everybody into one category. It's a tendency that's all too easy that's learned, by the way. But it can lead to terrible injustices. One of the hottest viral videos on Facebook of late, maybe you've seen it, the two little boys, one is white and one is black. And the, the, the video picks them up running toward each other about the distance from the front of the chairs to the back of the chairs. 
And they both have their arms up like this. And they're running toward each other. And as soon as they get to each other, they hug each other. And they just, they just the best of buddies. Because you see, they don't see color. One of my favorite ones I saw this week was a picture of two, a little, little white boy and a little black boy who had their hair cut, burr haircuts. Remember how you used to do that when you was little? Cut both of them. And they said they wanted their hair cut like that so when they got to school, their teacher couldn't tell them apart. That's how it should be, isn't it? But oh, it's not like that, is it? You know, the New Testament deals a great deal with relations between Jewish people and the Gentiles. The Jews used the word Gentile to mean anybody who wasn't Jewish. Didn't matter what you were, if you weren't Jewish, you weren't much. Had no need for you. You were about as worthless as they come. Any of you grow up in an environment that taught you that you were better than somebody else? Would you be honest enough to say yes? Don't raise your hand because I don't want you to get in trouble. Don't just think about that. I didn't know prejudice when I was born. I had to learn it. And where did I learn it from? My family. My brothers. I heard the N-word used a lot growing up. How about you? Still grates on me to this day. It's not a nice word. If you don't know what the N-word is, catch me after church. I'll try to catch you up. God blessed the nation of Israel with a wonderful history of demonstrations of what God was like and all the teachings of the Old Testament. And God did it as a demonstration project so that all the world could see what was really on God's heart. And they would join in and be part of God's family. (laughs) But something went wrong. Many of the Jews developed this sense of privilege. Boy, you hear a lot about that today. White privilege. I'm just grateful that our church allows and doesn't look down the nose at anybody that comes here that doesn't look like us. Amen? I hope it always does. In fact, we need more. More diversity. We need more. But you see, the Jews had figured that the blessings that they were receiving was because somehow 
the Gentiles were inferior and that God didn't really care so much about them because He was privileging the Jews and the Jews only. So, by golly, here we are. And you know what? They still carry themselves in the same arrogant way today. You take a tour of Israel. And your guides who guide you through the tour of Israel, you're going to find they're either humble in spirit or they're arrogant in spirit. When I went in 1997, boy, that's a long time ago. When I went in 1997, we had a big tour group. And we had two guides. One was arrogant. And I was fortunate to have the one that was humble. But you see, they were arrogant because of who they think they are. And we've had Jews for Jesus come and make their presentations. Now these were all people that were raised in the Jewish faith. Who then embraced Christ as Savior. And made that transition, but not without much heartache and not without a lot of tears and lowering of their pride to receive Him that way. So these Jews felt they could sit back and enjoy the blessings and it didn't matter what happened to the Gentiles. But God saw it different. He called a man, and we call him Paul. Apostle Paul. He was a Jew. But his job was to make it very clear that God's invitation was to all nations. Jew, Gentile, they were all called to be citizens side by side in the kingdom of God. Growing up in the Acapella Church of Christ, I was taught that we're the only ones going to heaven. I mean, it was not, not just maybe, we were it with an exclamation mark. So my thought process growing up was, no one else is going to be in heaven but Church of Christ people. So my Baptist buddies I met in high school, well, they're all going to hell. don't matter. They're not Church of Christ. I used to argue with one of them, Richard Talley. We argued every day about who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. As soon as I'd see him, I'd say, you're going to hell, boy, you're going to hell. Because that's what I was taught. You're going to hell, everybody's going to hell. Well, I had that finger up to him. Richard said, what about the grace of God? I said, I don't know about grace. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> then I began to read the Bible. Then I read the story about the fellow that died and went to heaven and he's on a tour with St. Peter. And they come up and there's this huge wall. I mean, massive wall. Bigger than Trump's wall down on the border. And he says to Peter, what's the wall? He goes, listen, we don't want to get too loud. The closer we get to the wall, we've got to get real quiet. Because on the other side of the wall, the church of Christ, and they think they're the only ones here. 
That was a joke, folks. Come on now. But that's how I was taught. That segregation that, you know, we're the only church. We're the only ones that are going to make it. Oh, how silly is that? The only people who are going to make it to heaven are those who have surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what he said, right? Yeah. You want to go to heaven? Then you become a Christian and you surrender to Christ and let Him be the master of your life. That's what's going to get you there. Not what church door you pull open. So Paul refused to accept this idea of Jewish privilege. (coughs) All the blessings of God, he said, were for the Gentiles too. Jesus had died to end that separation. And Paul dedicated his life to breaking down the barriers and bringing the Gentiles into the church. And we, by the way, who are Gentiles, owe Paul a great debt of gratitude and faithfulness to the call that he responded to. Are we truly a divided country? Would you say yes to that? You can nod your head if you, if you agree. I read two articles that, in preparation for the message today that one deals politically and the other deals spiritually about how divided we really are. In this article titled, A Familiar Great Divide, the author of the article showed a comparison of life in America in 1919 and then 100 years later in 2019. Woodrow Wilson was the president in 1919, and Donald Trump is president today. Hundred years difference. And here's a, just, a, just a brief paragraph from this article. The lessons of 1919 apply directly to today, especially internationally. World leaders are again trying to cobble together a new world order as President Trump, in the name of making America great again and proclaiming America first, attacks bulwarks of international cooperation, such as NATO, uh, the, the NATO Defense Pact and the North American Free Trade Agreement. He's removed the United States from a climate change agreement, has turned trade policy upside down with various tariffs, and is questioning U.S. military involvement abroad to keep the peace and promote stability. Trump says it's time for new thinking and fresh ideas. But if you go back and read what Woodrow Wilson was facing and what Woodrow Wilson was deciding, guess what? Parallel. It's amazing. History repeats itself. Especially if you don't read it. <laughs> right? But that one didn't that one didn't get me as much as this one did. An article entitled America's Church is often a reflection of the nation's racial divide. Said this about eight in ten congregants in America attend services where a single racial or ethnic group makes up at least eighty percent of the congregation. That was according to a Pew Research Center data using the 2012 National Congregations Study. In 1998, 85% of Americans reported worshiping in largely segregated congregations. We haven't come very far. 
Michael Emerson is a provost at North Park University in Chicago. He said, until blacks and whites pray together, U.S. race relations are fundamentally unhealthy. There is no getting around this. I love worshiping with black folks in their, in their church. Their culture is different than our culture. Their culture is alive. They talk back to you. See, when you're a preacher and you get the church to talk back to you, you kind of keep preaching, I guess. We were doing some of this changing pulpit stuff several years ago. Some of you may remember. We went to North Tulsa and we, we shared up there. They came down here and shared with us down here. And I remember preaching at one of the churches there one Sunday night. When I was preaching out of uh, 1 Timothy 4, and I talked about the things that Paul is encouraging us to do, and, and I made the statement, I said, Now what I'm fixing to say, you're not going to like. And some lady in the very back said, Say it anyway! <laughs> but my favorite story is the white handkerchief. Do you remember that story? I've told it before. I'll tell it again, because you probably may not remember. Tony Campola was the preacher in uh, uh, Philadelphia. He was actually a college professor, but he went to a church there and where his family, uh, he grew up in this church. And as time went by, the church, the community changed and it was more black than it was white. And so he stayed there because that was his family's church. And so they were having a revival meeting. And when the black churches have a revival, it's more than just one preacher. They always have several. And Tony was one of them. And so... He said uh, an older black gentleman got up to preach first and, you know, he started out and he was real slow and he finally got into it and pretty soon it was his time to, it was time to sit down. And it's Tony's time to stand up, so he stood up to preach. And he said as he began to preach, this lady on the very back row pulled out a white handkerchief and started waving it in the air. And Tony said, oh man, I'm making, I'm making contact. I'm making contact. Ooh, she's into it now. Glory to God. So he preached and preached and preached and preached and service was over and they were out shaking hands and people were coming out. And that lady came out and Tony said, Ma'am, I just got to ask you, what was it about the message that was touching your heart so much that you wanted to raise that white handkerchief? She said, Oh, son, nothing was touching me. I was just praying, Lord, help him, help him, Lord, help him, help him, Lord, help him. <laughs> so next Sunday, all of you bring a white handkerchief and do that for me. I but you know, there's just something about being tuned in, isn't it? Do you hear it? Do you do you listen? Does it make or do you just go through the motions and say, you know, I've been to church. All right, let's go to Ephesians two, eleven through twenty two. Paul lays out very clearly for us to understand what God has on His heart. In this section, 11 through 22, is broken up into three sections. And so I want to read all of it, and then I'm going to break it down for you. So let's start at verse 11. Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
For He Himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in His flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in Himself He might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. And He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were, who were near. For through Him we both have our access in one Spirit to the Father. Verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are God, of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. May God bless the reading of His Word. Now, Three sections. The first section, verses 11 through 12, describing the division between the Jew and the Gentile. Now, let's look at those verses again. Therefore, I love that how he starts out. You remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called Circumcision. You see the, you see what Paul's done? He said, you circumcision people are telling the uncircumcision people that they're not saved. They don't have any hope. You're the only church going. Nobody else is going. <laughs> but you see, He then qualifies the statement by saying, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. This was a human institution, not God's institution. God doesn't expect or is not impressed with our rituals that we, hoops that we want to jump through in order to be whatever it is we got to be. His only concern is, are we willing to surrender to His Son, Jesus Christ, at the foot of the cross? That's what He wants. And then He goes on in 12 and says, that Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in this world. He wanted to remind them where they were. That's where you were. He tells these Jews that he saw the Gentiles. God saw them being far off from God. Aliens. Different. In other words, they were different. Gentiles ate different foods. They dressed different. They talked different. They carried themselves different. They just didn't care. They weren't They weren't Jews. They didn't know how. They didn't know what they're supposed to do. It's like bringing our bus kids in, right? They don't have church, and, and they don't have church in their life, so they don't always know how to act in church. So we've got to help them learn how, right? That's what we do. That's what we're trying to do. For the most part, those that are coming, man, they 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 get it. They get it. They're great kids. 
Are they loud? Yeah. That's what kids are. They're loud. But it's awesome. It's awesome to watch them absorb. And to watch them begin to ask questions. And they're asking questions because the Word of God is beginning to penetrate. Now see, we don't know. We don't know the investment that we're making right now. We don't know what's going to change that kid's life and what change they're going to make in other people's lives down the road. But God does, doesn't He? The Jews couldn't see past the differences of the Gentiles. Their thought was just, keep them away. Just keep them away. We don't want any Gentiles in our churches. We don't want any Gentiles in our neighborhood. We don't want these dirty old Gentiles anywhere near us. Get them away. Ah, They're not like us. They can't come to church here. Second section is verses 13 through 18. Talks about how Christ came, has come back to, to tear down the barriers. Let's keep, keep reading. But now in Christ Jesus, look at that. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. By the blood of Christ. The same blood was shed for you. For me and for anybody who will accept it. Can I get an amen? All right. 14. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one, broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity which is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might. Make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. And reconciling them both in one body to God through the cross. Wow. Wow. No matter who you are, where you're from, except in Christ. You know the fastest growing church in the world is not in America? Do you know that? The fastest growing church in the world is in China. It's an underground church. Do you, know, do you realize that in Iran, thousands are coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Savior. In Iran, right under the nose of the Ayatollahs and the Mullahs and the Muslim leadership. How are we going to stop Islamic terrorism? Change the heart of the children. Change the heart of the women. That's how you do it. And it's happening. God's Word is penetrating that darkness and that evil. Oh, it's exciting. It's exciting to watch. He abolished the foundation for all the walls of prejudice that divide us. Jesus' death on the cross broke down that wall of separation. Who can stand up and brag after what's happened? Who can stand up and brag? We can all stand up as sinners before God and brag that we're under the blood of Christ. Amen. I'll wait for you. All right. The cross of Christ is the greatest leveler 
for all humanity. Now the third section, verses 19 through 22. So then, you are no longer strangers. And here's the results, by the way, of, of what Paul's saying. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. You know, when you join a church, or when you start coming to a church, you're hesitant maybe to get involved in things because, well, I'm not a member there. Man, don't wait. I've never asked you to be a member to be involved in something, have I? Come on! You want to serve communion? Get up here and serve. You want to teach? Let's talk to you about it now. I'm going to throw you in there to teach. We don't know a little bit about you. But if you want to serve, there's going to be a place for you to serve. I have the same person making communion every Sunday. If you want to volunteer to do that, we've got a sign-up sheet on the wall. We've got the same people serving, greeting at the door. Maybe you want to rotate and be a greeter. All you got to do is smile. Say, hey, how you doing? Well, I don't know who these people are. Well, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is so-and-so. Okay. Be great. Got another sign up on the wall over there for that. Verse 20, having built, been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together. Oh, I love that. He holds, He's the glue that holds us together. Why do we come? Because of Christ. Not because of the preacher, not because of the elders, not because of the deacons, not because of Sunday school teacher or youth group leader or whatever. We come because of Christ. Death on the cross. Can I get an Amen. That's why we come. We're no longer aliens. The Gentiles are not strangers before God. They are citizens with the saints. A citizen is someone who belongs there. Has certain rights which are to be respected. Gentiles are now members of the household of God. They're included. And that's the way our church has always been. If you come here, you're included. You don't have to be an official member of the church. You're included here because we love you. We want to love you. We want you to serve. Amen? I'll wait. Amen? Come on. Yell it to the, to the rooftops. We don't follow Jewish dietary laws and old customs. We don't do that anymore. And yet, we can still be a part of God's family. Amen? So, in a nutshell, what does all this mean to us? Well, Spencer Perkins and Chris Rice wrote a book entitled More Than Equals, Racial Healing for the Sake of the Gospel. And they have a very simple formula that they put together describing what the church needs to do to finish down the wall, finish down the job of breaking down the walls. And they're summarized in three words. Admit, submit, and commit. First, we need to admit to ourselves that there is a problem. We cannot responsibly pass by on the other side of the road and leave our ethnic brothers and sisters being treated in the way that they're being treated. We need to watch the news. We need to watch our own hearts and our own actions. And admit that there's a potential problem there. 
Secondly, we need to submit. Submit to God, recognizing that apart from God, we will probably just continue to ignore the problem. Apart from God, we'll settle for halfway solutions. We need the love of God to melt our hearts. I need to see the black man, the green man, the yellow man, the blue man, just like I see the white man. We need to see every man through the eyes of God. Oh, then it looks different. Amen. And then thirdly, we need to commit. Commit to ourselves that we will remove all the barriers that keep races apart. Making God's welcome clear in our own lives every time we cross paths with someone from a different race. Going beyond occasional polite encounters to getting to know one another. Spend time together. Learn to understand cultural differences and recognize the ways that all races are the same. And recognize that we are really all part of God's family. And after all the things that have been done to say to any ethnic group, in our nation, that you're second best? I don't think so. God calls us to bring a different message. The door is open. Fellowship should be pursued. Because, folks, we're all citizens of the kingdom. When we surrender to Christ and He becomes our Lord and Savior and our Master, we're all part of the family. Amen? Father, I ask you this morning, is there somebody in this room that just needs to come to grips with some of the prejudices in their life? If there are, today's the day to get rid of them. Paul is very clear in our passage today that through the cross and at the cross, the ground is level. It's not race. It's not color. It's about surrender. And Father, we can find at the cross forgiveness. We can find at the cross healing and reconciliation so today would there be one today who would need to pursue that Father we just lay it before you ask you to move in each heart in Jesus name we pray Amen